worship at First Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota. The Holy Gospel is written in the book of John, the third chapter. Now, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Christ. How do we begin again? Well, it's an interesting question to wonder about, having heard now of Abram being sent to a new land and a new life in Genesis chapter 12, and of course hearing the story of Nicodemus in John chapter 3, Nicodemus who can't quite wrap his head around being born a second time, even though that's exactly the kind of new beginning that Jesus speaks of. How do we begin again? Well, this is not an easy question for us to even ask uh, a lot of the time. As comfortable as we are, where we are, who, who wants to start over? And if we do ask the question, it's certainly not an easy question to answer. 
And then if we do answer it, it's certainly not an answer that's easy to embrace or to live out. So I think it's fair to feel just a little bit of sympathy for Nicodemus here today. With little context, Jesus, perhaps a little too casually, announces that in order to see the kingdom of heaven, you must be born from above. Think of, think of what all of this sounded like to Nicodemus. To hear, you must be born of water and the Spirit. What does that mean? We who are Lutherans or Christians of any kind of sacramental strain, we can hear this and we can easily point to our baptism. We remember what we've often heard, that we are born children of a fallen humanity, but by water and the Holy Spirit, we are reborn children of God. We're dunked in the font to drown the old and to be born again to new life in Christ. So in one sense, the question has already been answered that being born anew and beginning again is as easy as receiving a gift from God. Keep in mind, though, that Nicodemus had no framework, no point of reference for making sense of what in the world Jesus was talking about, being born of water and the Spirit. And based on his question about how he might manage to enter his mother's womb a second time, Nicodemus clearly has a lot of learning to do. Which might be surprising, because we know that Nicodemus has already done quite a lot of studying and learning. We're told that he's a Pharisee. He's a leader of the Jews. He's a teacher of Israel. Nicodemus is a learned man. But it's becoming clearer that perhaps that is part of his problem. I came across a proverb this week. It was new to me. It said something like, the highest form of learning is learning to unlearn. Learning how to unlearn, or unlearning in order to learn anew, as I thought about it, seemed like there might be something to that. Learning, unlearning might be one very important factor in beginning again. Now, this proverb about learning to unlearn is not a biblical proverb per se, but there is so much resonance in this idea with how Jesus teaches God's people in Scripture. I remember just a few weeks ago, I was standing up here quoting Jesus' Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 5 as he repeated over and over again, You have heard it said, but I say to you, unlearn, learn anew. Or when Jesus speaks of wine and wineskins in Mark chapter 2, he says, No one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is lost, and so are the skins but one puts new wine into fresh wineskins. The newness of the teaching and the person of Jesus Christ cannot be contained by the old ways. It requires new containers, new frameworks, new practices, and new perspectives. Unlearn. Learn anew. So because Nicodemus is an especially learned man, he has that much more to unlearn. Nicodemus, as we heard, was a Pharisee, and that was a group of religious leaders who were known for their zeal for the law and their love of tradition. They're known for their well-intentioned pursuit of righteousness for themselves and for everybody else. So the Pharisees, as you may recall, 
are the group that would follow Jesus around as he traveled and taught, and they would hassle him every time that he stepped out of line. Every time that he broke the law that they loved so much, doing such illegal things as healing suffering people on the Sabbath and eating meals with people they deemed unclean. Now, in John's Gospel especially, Jesus is portrayed as the perfect paschal lamb, sinless and complete. So we know that for however much heartburn he was causing the Pharisees, Jesus was not grieving the heart of God. But the Pharisees were upset with him because the only framework that they knew how to operate within was the law. The only question or metric by which they judged was, is this right? And then when they judged Jesus, they often had to conclude, no, he's out of bounds. So when Jesus asks Nicodemus that question in verse 10, I'm sure Jesus is hardly surprised. He says, are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Because Nicodemus had spent probably most of his life learning about the history and the tradition and especially the law of his people, which were very important and which continue to be relevant to us today. But now, the kingdom of God is being revealed in and through Jesus, and even though the law is very important, it's not the most important. And now Nicodemus is faced with the reality that his life's learning was based on a question that Jesus is not asking. While Nicodemus and the Pharisees perseverated on what is right, Jesus taught and lived a different question. What is of love? Or we could say, what is godly, since God is love? What is godly is a different focus, it's a different angle than what is righteous. And the answer to this slightly different Jesus-y question, it doesn't necessarily require all new information, but it does require a new framework and a new perspective. And it means Nicodemus has some unlearning to do. Now, unlearning is different from forgetting, to be clear. It's, it's more about setting aside the rigidity of earlier learning in order to begin looking at the world through a new lens considering things from a different perspective, shifting to a new paradigm, in this case, a gospel paradigm. And of course, Nicodemus is not the only one who needs to do some unlearning. As people of faith, this is part of our heritage as well. We still need the voice of Jesus telling us again, you have heard it said, but I say to you, We, too, need to set aside our well-loved wineskins in favor of something new that can receive the fullness of truth and divine wisdom of the gospel message, especially when that sounds a lot like foolishness to this world. Now, the term is outdated, but we have a lot of Pharisees in our world today, people who are obsessed with rigid structures and making everyone conform to their strict interpretation of righteousness. There's lots of people in 2023, 2023 who would also be following Jesus around, pointing out every time he steps out of line, showing too much kindness, too much grace, too much love. But this is precisely the foolishness of the gospel. 
the foolishness of seeing glory in a cross and loving our enemy and forgiving those who seek to harm us and praying for our persecutors. To embrace this divine foolishness requires us to unlearn the wisdom of this world and the philosophies of this age so that we can be open to the word of God. What would happen if we could shift our focus so that the clearest guiding question of our lives is not what is right, but instead what is loving? What is kind? What reveals the heart of God to a hurting world? Asking and holding a better question is the first step to insight and growth, to discovery and transformation. So the question of the Pharisees, what is right, that's answered by long lists of laws and commandments, and Nicodemus knew them all. What is godly is answered by Jesus. It's answered in Jesus and through Jesus, who says to his disciples and to us in John 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. If some of us are sitting here today wondering if love is really strong enough to be the foundation of our life together, or wondering if we could really set down the rigidity of our interpretation of righteousness because we're kind of afraid to let go of something we know so well, well then let's look to the familiar words of John 3.16. And how often do we remember that John 3.16, those words are said in the context of this story of Nicodemus. Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. Notice that there is one motivation named in that sentence, and it is love. And Jesus continues, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God acted first and foremost in love, not in condemnation. Now Nicodemus, the the once proud Pharisee, will continue his seeking. He'll continue wondering what it means to begin again and how that's done. He'll show up later in John's Gospel to defend Jesus and then again to anoint and bury Jesus. And I hope that we, too, will continue our seeking. And I hope we will continue to return to our baptism, looking for forgiveness and grace and finding the promise of God's mercy, finding godly perspectives and new opportunities to begin again. May the love that motivated God in a plan for salvation for the whole world be the same love that motivates us in our seeking and in our discipleship and in our living. They'll know we are Christians by our love. May it be so. Amen.